Lawson Humphreys on the road. Muggins and cream, cream and muggins, straight thugging, living the dream. That, that's our intro. Fucking muggles. Tickling the clit inside your head that makes you laugh. Woohoo! <laughs> they said it can't be done. Are we in the same seats? That's hack. Oh, muggles. Accidental rib job in the park. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Or am I just being cynical? Just muggled it up on fucking Mugglepedia. Where have you been since 9 11? Hello, welcome to B-Tech Philosophers Crossover with Sloss and Humphreys on the road, just with Humphreys. Look at us. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Not me. Both, uh, <laughs> both of our co-hosts, let's be honest, couldn't be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, family gathering, what I mean. Oh, really? What, what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> One of my co-hosts, you know. Oh, yeah, I'd say family gathering. Michael just, he was meant to be in Manchester, and then he, he's not in Manchester, and now, uh, so I was like, oh, you could come do the podcast. And he was like, uh, no, I'm, I'm doing something with my mum. Do, do they trust us at the wheel, the pair of them? Pff, absolutely. Let's, let's get real racist on this episode. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, man, I'm, not, I'm not ending up in another book. <laughs> <laughs> too, many, too many publications have spawned from me and ED in podcasting. Oh, like, they shouldn't even make a splash. <laughs> Why are we Times best-selling? Kai Humphries, man, it's good to have you in. Good to have you on the show. Uh, I'm proud of you, man. By the way. Oh, thank you. Because uh, uh, you keep popping up on my timeline with loads of topical clips. Oh. And uh, sometimes I think people look at that and just go, oh, look, there we go. But th- that's you being busy, that. You're writing. Yeah, yeah. You're doing loads of work for it. You're putting time in. You're going there. You're taking new material at a fucking place that's filming it, putting it out when it's relevant. And uh, I was just looking at that guy. Fucking look at that boy. Oh, thank you, man. It's a lot of... It's Yeah, I did a free... Like, fuck that. That looks... <laughs> <laughs> that looks exhausting, that. Yeah, I, I like it. I... I um, um, I enjoy it. I have three things. There's three things I love doing. I like going. I like going to like New Wave and training there. I like doing comedy and I like boozing. And I can only New do New Wave, two- yeah, BJ. Yeah, yeah. I can only do two of those three things. So if I'm, I, I always have to do comedy. But at the moment, I've been trying to do all three. Yeah. And fuck, man, my jujitsu's been suffering. Yeah, it's the cigarettes, the booze. It, uh, yesterday, yeah. I got found out in a class with blues and purple belt. That's like the, that's probably the one of the of the three that you like. You, it's gonna hurt the most if you slip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you slip in comedy, it's a bit wounding. You've had a fucking bit of a duff gig, and you can pick yourself up and dust yourself off. But that, like, you probably you may break your arm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's not. It's it, yeah. It's the ego thing of that where you. It's funny when you do something because you you you've gotten into golf recently. Uh, yeah. fair, fair weather, by the way. Yeah. You'll, you'll not have seen us over the winter, Dana. Right, okay, yeah. So but, uh, in, Last summer I did, and it's so bad how you can just regress. You can think that you're doing all right, and then you just go one day and you're just an infant. Yeah. Well, that's that's like anything, because I think you always strip something back in life, which is kind of what I want to talk to you about, because you're get, get to the philosophy of something. You all like, have some of the best life attitudes of anyone I know. Like, not just in a way of, like, looking happy, like, really looking at something and going, well, how can I spin this situation into something where, it, where it's a positive? When we always bring up on this show the story of the Chinese farmer, which I think you like quite emulate that in life a little right. bit. And yeah, what, yeah, why were you wearing headphones? I was going to say you were far too loud. Like, <laughs> turn his mic down so no one else can hear him. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, mate. Well, we're just complimenting yeah. each other. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm still trying to hear you. Tell me some nice stuff about me. About how I'm like a Chinese farmer. Wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I was just kind of eating. You know one of those ones that like died under Mao because there was no rice? Yeah, you remind me of that. No, the, so... You you have this out uh, of anyone I've ever known, just this very positive 
outlook towards things? And like, where, where does that come from? Uh, you know what? I just think that it, it, there's no there's no sense fucking getting yourself worked up about the little setbacks because they're going to happen along the way. You know, if you're sitting the house and Dean out, right, there's probably going to be knee setbacks. But if you're going out and try and do something, like if you're travelling around on, like to use a recent example, I'm going to run to Paris on two hours with Daniel, right, and I lose my wallet, right? That sucks losing your wallet, especially in a foreign country. Mm. But like, if I hadn't left the house, wouldn't have lost my wallet. Yeah, like, it's it's something that like if you're traveling around, there's gonna be little setbacks, and you worry about things like, oh, what if my luggage doesn't turn up? And your luggage doesn't turn up, and you're like, sometimes luggage doesn't turn up, right? It's like if you're trying to get to the, a goal or you're enjoying a journey, it's not gonna be a straight line. And if there's little bumps on the road that fucking get in your way, then you fucking each one of them's its own little puzzle that you've got to get your head run and sort it. So yeah, yeah, attitude can be right. What's my next step? My fucking reality's just changed in front of us. How am I going to deal with this situation now to get where I'm going? Or you could just be a miserable old dog. I couldn't just fucking go, well, this road's closed. Yeah. I'm turning back. And I think it's just I've got a kind of attitude like that. But it doesn't stop us getting fucking wound up. I'm still pissed off about what. Yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine on the ride with Sloss, who <laughs> is the opposite of like, what do you mean that Uber's not here yet? <laughs> How many people have to die for my Uber to arrive? Uh, he, he's uh, he's the biggest elitist I've ever known. Oh, while, while trying to peddle himself as a socialist. <laughs> he's got a, he's got an outward outward uh, like philosophy of socialism. But if like if if there's any way that there's mere peasants <laughs> on the same on the same status as him status. Yeah. Uh, he he'll be fucking angry. Like he's like, is there a way to pay to make this better for me but than what it is for these mere mortals? Uh, but I get that. So the other night, me and Darcy, one of her mates, ended up like having a room, a hotel room at the Shard. She couldn't make, gave it to Darcy, and like, oh, it was incredible. It was insane. Like this amazing view of London. Can we just talk about uh, Ryan Cullen and the WhatsApp group? Oh. All of you staying at the Shard. He was like, what's the Shard? And he's like. I, what's, what's the Burj Khalifa, lads? Has anyone heard of the Empire State Building? Yeah. It's like the biggest landmark in one of the major cities. Yeah, it's in every... It's, uh, it's, it dominates the skyline of London. He, because because it was just me and you in the chat, he's trying to make on, like, we've got London on this elevated plane of existence that nobody else has because we've spent time living yeah. here. I used to live here. And... Uh, in, in that that we were in my own little bubble thinking the shard was something people had heard of and he fucking managed to try and spin that narrative for a good 10-15 minutes before fucking all that Scottish lads kept diving in there <laughs> mate what the fuck are you talking about mate are you <laughs> this is what I always about Kakai is one of the happiest attitudes of anyone I've ever known but also one of the will not let go the slightest of grievances like a- there's like things that have happened on holiday seven years ago where someone forgot to bring back another beer and guys yeah. like well that just tells you all you you need to know about uh, them. Seven them years later. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's just, uh, someone took the extra half of a pill. Oh, Roan Dodger, eh? <laughs> uh, I remember the time you dodged a road in 2017. Uh-huh. Uh, slow grabbing your wallet, were you? Uh, <laughs> that stuff, didn't it? I bet, you wish, I bet you wish you didn't have that 40 quid new and you had your reputation, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I was staying, I was staying there. I was, it's funny, I, I know you've done like the Dubai gigs and things like that. And also like being on, because um, I've sort of, since I've known you and Daniel, 
you you guys used to tour and do good numbers, but then seeing what the tour has become, mm. and you guys, you know, in in sense of building that and doing that, it's not a different thing. Like you stay in quite nice hotels, which you fucking deserve, and that's the thing always on the road. I always you want to get like that. when I walk in, let me scruffy track. You sound like I deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the, I, I get. Like, uh, is there an opposite to imposter syndrome? Is it just being an imposter? <laughs> I just like again. I'm not meant to be here, guys. Suck it. <laughs> Absolutely suck it, all of you. Um, but, but yeah, but that, um, but uh, you get accustomed to those. Do you now have it? So when I was staying at the Shard, uh-huh. it, we went we went to a restaurant there, right? And the restaurant we wanted to go to was fully booked. And uh, so we went to this other one and we walk in and this place was, it was fancy. It was overpriced. The food was fine, but it was the view and the vibe you were paying for. Yeah. And it was very dim, like barely any visibility. Like being in Hollister. Yes. And there's like this sort of techno music going on, but going with the food and stuff. But as we walk in, the woman looks at Darcy Fight and looks at me and goes, you know, you got to buy one main each. <laughs> so funny. And I'm just there, like, man, can I one day just walk into a place? <laughs> oh, I totally feel that, man. I'm just there. Security guards follow me around the shop. So I know who I am. Yeah. I'm not going to steal anything, but I get it. Profile is. I'm cool with that. But then, uh, how quickly you come accustomed to those? Um, even if you're in something like that for a few hours, uh, you come accustomed to like a level of service. You come accustomed to a level of thing. And I totally get why people who do that on the regular, then the minute they go to something where that's not happened, uh, are a bit like, hey, sorry, excuse me, waiter. Hey, sorry, I can see how that happens. Yeah. Rather than someone's, I, I think we like to label people and just go, well, they're a cunt, they're an arsehole. But you go, maybe they've just got standards yeah. that they adhere their life to. And also, if, if you're somewhere really expensive, you're very aware of how much money you're putting in your fucking, putting, put your hand in your pocket for for that experience, right? So mm. if, if the experience isn't like what you're expecting for that money, there is a little bit of you that feels shortchanged. It's when people start taking that attitude at like a fucking weather spoons and you're like, you're not paying, you're not paying for the level of service you're getting annoyed. Yeah. You're not getting. Like, so like, I guess I, if, if anybody takes that attitude, down the ranks, that's when they're a cunt. Yeah, that's a good point. Because uh, Darcy's like done like a fair few of those things. Like she stayed in like amazing hotels in Hong Kong and stuff with her family and that. And uh, I was, uh, I was, um, she was telling me because I've got if something fucks up, I just let it. It just fucks up. Aye. Like it just, you brought me the wrong thing. Well, I guess I'm having that. Aye. You done it? This isn't cooked to the way I want it. Oh, I guess I'm eating that. Aye. She's I, like, you I can send it back. I hate myself when I do that because I, I got a, I got a cold latte in a place in Glasgow, and it wasn't. It was just like tep- I was like, I'm gonna have to fucking down this now, and I just couldn't bring myself. I just couldn't bring myself to go. Excuse me, me latte. How, mu- how much did you pay for it? Like three fifty or something. All oh, right, so if, I have this theory on things like that. I think I brought it up on here before that. I pay three pound, yeah, three pound forty for a latte. But the place I went to today in Brixton, it's mm. good, it's really good. Right. So I'm like, all right, you're still fucking me, but you're fucking me gently. You're giving me yeah. a nice fucking fine. But everywhere else around it, then does the three pound forty latte, and I go, you don't get to do it uh, as well. You have to have the same standard experience that you. Have. I want to go in there, and it's the same level of. So then everywhere starts doing it. Mm. And that then becomes the standard price of a latte or, you know, a pint or something like that. And they don't clean the taps. Uh-huh. And you go, you don't get to charge me this for the same thing. So there I do something. I think I should send it back. I still don't. Yeah, you've, you've kind of also just got to, every transaction that you have, just assume people are watching you. Assume, like, even if that, like, even if that's the, the bad outlook, right? Because you're doing it for an ulterior reason, right? But like, 
if you're going to complain about something, do it nicely. Do it, do it like, pleasantly, because you're not, like, if any of your friends from home or your, like, fans from the podcast or whatever saw you being a tit like that. Like, that sticks. That's who you are. Oh, my fans would so expect that. Were they? <laughs> yeah, my fans would be, oh, yeah, that's it. Oh, well, oh, is that Elliot Still? What, the guy who's spitting on the waitress? Mm. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> that's him. <laughs> and, but, that, uh, but I, yeah, I had a thing. I, I do feel, I think we're all capable of those moments, though. Like, I don't like those websites or there's this TikTok uh, account where it talks about celebrities and tipping. Mm-hmm. And I, I, one, I feel... I'm going to be a bit Steve Buscemi at the beginning of Reservoir Dogs here. I don't get why we tip. It's not my job. I don't know why my job is now paying. Your employer isn't paying Uh, you. And in America where they're being paid, fuck all, the service is exceptional. Mm -hmm. They have, when when you go to America, that that diner we were in New York, you immediately sat down, water, coffee, it's done. They're like, like, pay pay whatever you feel like I deserve. And by the end of it, you feel like they deserve a decent amount of your wedge for the experience you've had, so you'll pay it. But then you get to somewhere like Australia where it's 25 bucks for your fucking eggs. And they, they couldn't give a fuck about you. Yeah. If they're getting paid already because you've bought the meal, that includes their wage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they don't give a fuck. So, like, they, there is that element. But there's people, I still believe that's the correct method of doing it. You should pay your staff. Yeah, exactly. And uh, But then here there's, like... You we're probably in, recruit better if you're paying them well. <laughs> yeah, just do, like... I, I don't mind people doing their job badly because God knows I'm capable of, if I can't be bothered at a comedy show... Uh, like, I'm capable of walking on and very much being that waiter there who's being well, yeah, paid out the eggs. I did the restaurant takeover for Have A Word, so I was a waiter, and I swift realised I was really bad at my job, right? Really? But, I mean, I was fucking stoned, so I was yeah. going to be great at it, <laughs> no matter what the job was. But I was like, right, be super fucking pleasant with everyone and all that, and that totally makes up for it. Like, if you can just be, like, kind and nice and all that, if you fucking bring the wrong dish or something turns up a bit late, like, it's totally forgiven. If you're being sound and they like you. Weren't you doing shots at the table with them? I was sitting doing order on food at that table, <laughs> <laughs> I was putting that order through, putting a bit extra on for me. Putting it through. And it comes in, pull up a seat now. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was sitting here. <laughs> it's so funny because I was ordering drinks on other people's uh, tabs. Oh, amazing. So, like, I would, go, I would go and order drinks at, like, Daniel's table or Lauren's table, right, and put drinks on for me. So when they come through, I'm like, there's your drink, there's your drink, there's mine, right? And it's on another table's bill that isn't mine, right? And I was thinking that I was class. And then I got the bill file on my table and them cunts have been doing it to me. <laughs> I thought I was the only one doing it. It's like that bit in, a, I don't know if you've seen The Wire, where they uh, where they double cross each other and one of them gets sent to prison for life and the other one gets murdered. The two leaders, they both run a gang uh, and they, they both double cross each other, but you don't know they've done it. And the end, he's just stood there, he's about to be killed. Like, uh, motherfucker got me worse than I got him. <laughs> you're, you're, you're both doing the same fucking shape of each other without realising. Yeah, it's, it's, it's evens. But I, I found that, like, um, you know, about ven- uh, when you get a venue sometimes, mm-hmm. and I find this... Uh, I find this a lot with like a, like you'll do like a Live Nation venue or something. Mm-hmm. And so the way it worked was there used to be these uh, beautiful old theatres and they, they, they might be like volunteer, but people who work there would have a love for the theatre. Mm-hmm. And with like the sort of corporate corporatization of of what's happening with theatres and everything like uh, that, there's then, I turn up to one in Bournemouth and the, the, you, the people don't get like any... Can't, they, he just couldn't get through. I just knocked on the door, need to get through. He's like, you need to walk around the back through this alleyway, this like crack den of an alleyway and check in with security. And I'm like, can't I just walk through the foyer? 
Did he tell our damsel, can you can you escort me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you just let me walk through and tell yeah. security? I'm, no, uh, no. It says on our thing we're not allowed to do that. Yeah, but dude, it's not. So I walked around the back, and security are outside having a cigarette. And then I just walked in, no problem anyway. And I was like, can I get to the green room? And they're like, what's a green room? Uh, and you know, when you're like, really, uh, you're like you, I don't want to be an arsehole. The, the, the club owner needs to have a look at that because it really diminishes your worth before you've got to go on and be confident in front of their, their punters. Yeah. yeah. So if they can give you a nice experience from you walking through the door to you getting on stage, they're going to get a much better product from you. It's quite a simple business, really. But if they if they don't care about that, they don't really care about the club. So it's... Yeah, I, but I think that's that's the thing that sort of happens now within this sort of corporatization. Not just of like stand-up comedy, but everything is that the the good thing with those places that were like family-owned restaurants or friends who like bought a thing together was that they had a relationship with the people. Uh-huh. There was a relationship with the customers, so you, you'd go to the restaurant that wasn't as good because the people were as nice, mm-hmm. and you know that they were friendly and stuff. Whereas the place where it's just like I know I'm like look, I'm a big fan of it, Nando's. I, I love it because I know what I'm getting. Uh, but there's no... Also, now I find it weird if I go in one of those places, to be fair, and someone tries to be overly familiar with uh, me. They're like, hey, you been here before? And you're like, ah, he's like, fuck off then. I <laughs> 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 fucking stood here waiting for me before you just whack in, have a seat, get me Fucking, what are you doing? Oh, uh, that, that time uh, where you had to like, use your email to order food, that would that could uh, fuck right yeah. off. Fucking filling in forms. Everyone's just using the pandemic to data harvest. Yeah. That's all it was. I'm like, why the fuck do you need me next to Kin in the area? Can <laughs> <laughs> I get a pint? <laughs> I was there when I fucking went to a Virgin Active gym once and it was, uh, what's their next to Kin? What's their number? So I put my fucking dad's name, number, right? What's his email address? And I just wrote, if I fucking have an accident, didn't email me dad. <laughs> <laughs> me dad? Me dad? <laughs> Check his emails about once every three months or something. And he'd be like, oh, fucking guys, I had a heart attack in the gym. Jan- January 2002. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and I get 15% on the next sale next <laughs> swings and roundabouts <laughs> um, again back to the dormant thing it's funny because I remember one of the first things you know when you're um, learning things off new, um, like established comedians mm. when you're new uh, John Fothergill said of his always uh make friends with a doorman always be nice to the doorman because <laughs> because you're going to need them before they ever need you they'll never need you but you might need them right? uh, so make sure that they like you when you're on stage right and that was what you said that I just watch you and I'm like he's never been given that advice has he <laughs> you act into every doorman like why have you got that badge not me I can tell you. <laughs> You know, I'm regressing at jiu-jitsu at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably struggle for three minutes against you, but maybe it's back time. <laughs> I wouldn't tap you, but, you know, I may make it to the bell. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make you need a glass of water. <laughs> no, I I have a thing with, uh, well, it's a thing with authority that I totally need to get over, but having that opinion is what's got me to well. I have, I don't, like I'm saying with that guy speaking to those who bought my father thing where, just I want to explain to people sometimes like there's a there's a thing in life where it really think about what's happening right now mm-hmm. is this is it that deep can we find is it you know like uh, when, you know when you go into a place like that thing with a guy in Bournemouth and you go why do I need to walk around it I'm clearly one of yeah. the acts uh-huh. so let me through it's not, here it's hard to get through to them but because like uh, here's an example right I was in um the Newcastle game yeah. on uh, the, the semi-final and uh, I'm at the bar and there's a lad there who's got like a massive round he's looking for his mates and everything right and I was like do you want to hand me our drinks to your pals and he was like aye but they're in the barracks which is this kind of like fucking wristband bar and he'd walked yeah. into the wrong one so he needed to get out of the public bar into the 
like VIP bar on his wristband with the paints. Uh. But the only way I knew was through the stadium, and you kind of take your paints uh. into the stadium. So all we had to do, right, is going up to the lads who were stopping you getting in with your paints into the stadium and say to them, is there a way we can get these up to the bar uh. on the wristbands? Right, and uh, they couldn't get it through their heads that we were trying to get the paints into the stadium. And I'm like, sir, like it's hard to fucking, you know, especially my accent looking like me yeah. holding three paints. Going, sir, can I just have a conversation with you as adults? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Intellectual discussion. Like, and now you're in a position of authority and you're trying to stop me getting through there, but I just want to know uh, is there another way without going through the stadium into the bar to get these paints to the people that they belong to after spending overprice at the fucking closed market bar? Right, and just. Man to man trying to have a conversation with somebody with critical thought was fucking impossible. Yeah. Like, I just couldn't break the glass between where if he's in a position of authority and I just need some advice on what to do in my situation. It's fucking brutal, man. And it's hard not to get annoyed in them situations. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. And, like, you know, the things are, I've had here, as well as, you know, other comedians, <laughs> slightly vindicated, um, which we won't go into. I mean, I'm not. I'm not playing here again, am I? It's looking very much. What are we talking about? <laughs> the, the comedy club here. It's not. Oh, I mean, is uh, that the one where you got frisked? Yeah. And then you it, said it, something on stage about the door staff, but the, the actors thought you were talking about them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was so unlucky from your part. I can't remember how you worded it. Do I you, worded it very badly. You said something about uh, don't complain about the comedian that's on last after the experience you've had at the door and that, right? But on last, you meant closing. Yes. But what yes. it was heard as was on last, on yeah. before me, on previously last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so the previous comedians got fucking butt hurt. Is that the one you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so unlucky for you. Because I that wasn't your intention, but it's already landed. The fucking punch has landed. You didn't mean to swing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's I, I, I feel really embarrassed by it. I've apologised. We, luckily, we've dropped it and didn't do a whole podcast about it on Monday. <laughs> yeah, and then it escalated, that, didn't it? Well, yeah, we talked about it a little bit, and I feel we were very fair. But the, the thing that I, I'll bring, I think, like what happens is, as you talk about online, you see me working and doing things. There's a thing I've sort of discovered recently, which you've, I've never seen you have. Because you're very comfortable, not in just as yourself as a person, but career-wise as a comedian. Like, you work hard, you go around the world, you do all of these gigs and stuff. and you're, But you've always been on the circuit, you've always been active, and you sort of live your life with this. I I live my life to be happy, uh -huh. not for... Uh, so I... It, it stifles my ambition a little bit, but I, yeah. But I, they're, they're, like, career success isn't my main goal. Like, happiness is, like, the fucking the ultimate achievement. And if that's me, sat in my house with a PlayStation with a fucking dog on my lap... Yeah. Then I'll have a night off. Yeah, but you're also doing really well. Like, it's not like you're sat, you live, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm not sat playing PlayStation with your dog on your lap, sweating the fuck because I'm not working the night because bills need paid. Yeah, so yeah. There, is, it, there is an element of that, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, you've, you've, you know, you come from like, life, you could grow up in like a rough area. And oh, there's stuff. such a low threshold for what was successful. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's, it's so, the fact that you're not on tag. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that you're not just sat in your house because you can't leave it uh, yeah. is, is an achievement. <laughs> but, but, but I think. I think what happens is people come into this job and they see people, you know, I have to be self-aware like my dad is who he is. So I now, I now get accused of being a Nepo baby a lot, which I never used to. Which is strange because like, even though your dad is a successful comedian, he's, it's not like you've followed in his footsteps in any particular way. Mm. Like you've had your own route. And I knew, I knew, like I knew you before your dad, so I never had a preconceived judgment of you. But when I eventually met your dad, 
apart from looks, I wouldn't have guessed he was your dad. He's a much better person. Like, kind of hard, better values. Like, <laughs> like, I actually don't know what happened here. I thought the same, but the opposite when I met your dad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, I love Kev. Kev, the nicest man in the world. <laughs> if you know Kai's dad, he's just the uh, sweetest bloke in the world. But yeah, the, but that, so I think going back to what happened where it then sort of escalated, this person already didn't like me. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing because I, you know, you see my output online, you see, oh, well, and then instead of going, oh, maybe his clips are doing better because he goes out every night of the week and gigs and refines material and therefore is getting better. Yeah, like what, what I spotted yeah. when I come in here, I was like, I, I've spotted what you're doing. I can see the bit that goes out. That's one minute. But yeah. I also see the fucking hours of work that went into that one minute bit. Yeah. Whereas like um, people aren't seeing that hour. People are seeing the one minute. Yes. That's the thing. So when they see that one minute and they see it doing well, they're like, why is that doing well? They need another excuse because like they might not be doing as well. And then the quick, it's such a, it's almost hack to just clutch onto the fact that he's a da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as well, like they'll go, oh, well, it's easy because, you know, Top Secret put him on and they've got a camera. I, yeah. There was years I went to Top Secret and couldn't get on. I had to stand around mm. and watch other comments go on and then they'll bully me. Mm. Like, I'm still doing Jamali Maddox is on and I'm not on. Do you think Jamali's being nice about it? Uh, like, do you think yeah. he's, do you think, I've had comedians like ruthlessly bully me for my lack of like bookings. Uh, like, like, yeah. that, like, I have been mercilessly bullied for that. Oh, mate, that fucking ongoing bit about you not doing the comedy store because you fucking oh. you got you done your you done your ten spot got off on a twenty yeah in, in verbal got off I, on a I, got, I got the, I did the twenty no no you've done you, it now no no I did I did the twenty oh, the weekend I never got the right, right, then got I, you, got yeah. you. so you done your Thursday mm. uh, so you get you're getting paid at the comedy store which is just a fucking accolade that mm. every new it's really validating it makes you feel fucking great yeah. it's like if you're trying to get other gigs it's a fucking it's a it's a little skeleton key well it certainly uh, was at the beginning of my career that the comedy store give you money. They also give you a key to go and do other gigs. Yeah, open stores. Uh, you could email someone and go, "Here's where I do weekends," and if they see the store, uh-huh. that they they yeah, should be booking you. They either trust the process. Yeah, and they can book you blind based yeah. on that. And uh, and uh, so you had done the twenty, and you got verbally offered weekends, and you fucking well. Biggie, big bollocks. There's me pals. I did uh, weekends at the store, lads. And some of the people in the group fucking hadn't even done the 20. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. there's like this thing in there, there. And then fucking one year turned into two and you still uh, hadn't been off at that weekend. Oh. And then just the more time passed, the more fucking people were just hanging on the fucking massive rant he had where you whipped your cock out. Oh, mate. Do you know what's hilarious? <laughs> I then got given four weekends and then some cunt ate a bat. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> that fucking prick. Uh, you're, some... the re- you're the real victim. <laughs> yeah. And then and then what happened is they went to me. They they like actually sort of they went to my agent. We're really sorry about. Uh, uh, they booked me in for November. They then went to me uh, like just as everything was opening up. They actually went. Actually, we've had a dropout for the opening weekend. The first weekend back. Uh-huh. Elliot, do you want to come do it? Yeah, I'd love to. Boris Johnson pushed back opening by three weeks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so this, is the, this is the thing of pushed back by three weeks. It doesn't mean your booking's pushed back by three weeks. It means the tide's <laughs> come in on you and that person's booking's now the first one and then yeah. every for six months and then they'll try and plug you in later on when who the fuck knows what's going to happen then. But I, I, you know, playing there, it's, I was actually thinking about this the other day. It's kind of this weird thing. I always wanted to play a one for that skeleton gear too because I'd felt like I'd proved myself that I was an actual comedian, like whatever. I never really had too many doubts about being my dad's son as that never really got to me too much apart yeah. from maybe my first year. But fuck, I, I was struggling to get on the clubs because I probably wasn't good enough 
uh, if I'm really honest with myself, I was I was hanging out with a lot of. Uh, mate, mate, this is the thing, mate. When I'm booking a gig, I think like somebody's got to be good enough to smash the gig, but also good enough to be able to spend time with for a yeah. weekend. And you're definitely good enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the bit. That's the other thing I will say to like we got a few younger comedians listening. If you're gonna if you're gonna have a Patricia O'Neill attitude, make sure you have Patricia O'Neill level comedy. Uh, like yeah. if you're gonna be hard to work with, you got to be really fucking good. Uh, be 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 good company. Be so, be somebody not only that's gonna do a good job of the gig, but somebody that when they're booked in for that weekend and they're booking their travel, they check the lineup to see who's on and they see that you're on and they're going, oh sweet, I want to hang yeah. with them. Like I want to spend some time. That doesn't mean being an absolute fucking sesh head. Yeah. Helps. Yeah. <laughs> well, just be <laughs> laugh. I'd stick around for a pint. No, that's it. They haven't just like fly in and out for your spot. Like if you, especially if you're new, right? I don't. Um, I was on Red Road just before Christmas trying out some new gear, mm. um, and the amount of acts that popped in for their five spot and disappeared. And like, I didn't take it personally. It wasn't like, oh, you're disrespecting mm -hmm. me by not stopping to watch. But like, whoever's headlining. You're, you've you're, you've got a learning experience that extends past that five minutes you're on stage. Your learning experience starts at like how the MC takes the mic out of the stand. Yes, right, and it ends with how the fucking MC wraps up the show. And everything in between that is something for you to learn. Not just me closing the show, trying out new material, right? Like in how I go about trying new material. Like there is a bit to be learned from that, but also what what people at your level are doing also. Like what? What's like? You just just fucking absorb the whole thing. It's like turn up to training early and leave last, and fucking like I I I could I could have fucking marked down on the fucking list how many of them comedians would still be gone in a year's time. Yeah, you could tell because of it. Actually, I I mean I did it the other night at Top Secret. I watched uh, Scott Caporo was closing. And I went. I'm gonna stick around and watch this. Aye. I haven't seen Scott in a while. Love him as a comic. Mm -hmm. I just stood there and watched, and it was a proper closing set. Aye. It was. It felt like. This is the last act of the night. Yeah. Dark, but brilliantly written, cheeky, great. And like, he, it was just, it was just fantastic. And I watched it and was like, I'm so glad I stayed and watched this mm -hmm. as a punter. Yeah, it's good. As a fan of comedy. Even, even when you've been gone a while, it's nice to, it's nice to just fucking uh, reinvigorate yourself watching comics that are at the top of that game because mm. you're not just watching a comic dial. If you're watching a comedian that's at the top of the game, they're not dialing in a set. Right, some of them have been gone for twenty years. Doesn't mean they're at the top of their game, mm. right? So they can be dialing in a set. Their their timing is the same. Their wording's the same every fucking day. And then you'll watch somebody that is again twenty years, but at, to at the top of their game. And they breathe with the audience. There's a synergy to it. Their timing comes at certain like when the the laughter's just about to die, and that's when they come in with their laugh. They don't they don't pick their timing in advance before the laugh. They choose their timing based on the laugh and they fucking ride that and they can keep the, the plate spinning with it. And it, like, if, when you watch somebody that's like connecting with a crowd like that, it reminds you that like that's part of the skill set, not just the words, not just the, like, but the actual breathing with the audience. And I feel like um, if, if you're watching that, you're absorbing that yeah. as well. It's, it, yeah, that's exactly it. And always look at people who are like, I, I, if I'm completely honest and I really admit this, I struggled a few years ago when I was insecure with myself and my own stand-up and where I am in the industry that I would be very resentful of other people. That's why I had to bring it back to this other person who like did an episode about it, just made up that I was a racist. Made up. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, but She was made up, you were a racist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I... Uh, I kind of understand, like, fuck, if I'd been going as long as them and was still doing tens, uh -huh. I wouldn't be happy either. Like, and, uh, and that sounds like a slam. 
I, 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 I was there. I, I get that. Mm -hmm. They're a good comic. They shouldn't be doing that. Aye. But the... But then uh, I also understand like there's a level and I see people do it now. I've worked on online for the last few years. The reason I started working online was mainly because last year I turned up to my Leicester show. Three people had turned up. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do the show. Yeah. And I got on the train and Sean Walsh was on it. And I was just in, like, I was just pissed off. And he, we just had this chat and he was like, he was like, you're not going to be on TV. He's like, that's, he's like, even if you are, you can't do what you do on TV. Uh -huh. So you need to do online yeah. and learn how to do that. Uh-huh. And now that I started doing that and it's had like bits of success and I'm getting people coming to shows and, you know, getting in with Top Secret, allowing me a place to have good stage time uh -huh. has made all of the difference. So I'm a little bit less resentful. And then I sort of look at that other time in my life and go, oh, I was just a bit a young prick. You've took, you've took ownership. You took personal responsibility. You stopped trying to fucking blame outside influences. And even if you did spend a little time in that pocket blaming outside influences, you identified that like that was stuff you couldn't control. And what can I control? And like, it's an easy thing to fall in. Because if you can put your excuses on other people, it keeps you free of blame. Yeah. So you can just be like, well, it's not my fault. And and also but, also with online, I have put out absolute trash. That's another thing where the nepotism falls down. Your dad never did that. <laughs> 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 no, what I was going to say <laughs> before I found the joke yeah. uh, was that your, dad, your dad's not like um, on modern socials he does a bit of twitter yeah right? he's but he's, twitter. he's not he's not doing, unless i haven't seen him he's not yeah. doing tiktok and instagram and being prolific on them things you're carving your own path with that yeah that isn't something that you've learned or inherited from your dad and you haven't taken his following into that you've started that from scratch and grown it yourself yeah and i i enjoy uh, I, I found a thing that worked with me and it took a while online uh, I, I think there's a thing that you find it's kind of like when you start going to the gym Mm -hmm. And you start doing exercise and you don't really have a clue what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you suddenly find one that you like and you, you just over six months get better at it and go, oh, I now get to do that thing again. Yeah. But then you'll be a year in and someone will come watch you doing the bench press and go, oh, you need to put your shoulders back and your feet in more and actually arch about. And you go, oh, I was doing it wrong for this year. I thought I was doing it correct. Uh, you're, never, you're never too late in your career to get good advice as well. Like, mm. sometimes, and sometimes you can, um, if, do you watch yourself or not? Yeah, I hate it, but yes. So bad. I like, yeah, because you pick up on your ticks. It's the only way you can see your ticks is if you watch yourself. Like, I had uh, one show that I watched back and I kept saying, Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I was prefixing army jokes, so let me tell you. I didn't know I was doing that. I've always heard myself say it once or twice, like, but, but I didn't know I was doing it all the time. And then now, every time if I go, let me tell you before doing a story or a bit or whatever, like I'll catch myself and I'll stop it. So you can you can always fucking improve. Have you have you had that with podcasting where you ever listen back to an early podcast? And you know, have you ever listened to like a podcast and gone, that person's an annoying prick? And then you listen back to a podcast you're on and you go, oh my god, you know what? I'm the, the annoying prick. You know what's the worst thing uh, when you watch yourself on a podcast when you laugh at a bit of your own stuff because you thought it was going to be funny and like it doesn't really pop in the room. I <laughs> you're the only one laughing you're like, and you can see the laugh like lose its confidence and fade and, and watching that back's like oh god that was recorded <laughs> that is 90% of me on B-Tech Philosophers <laughs> it's <laughs> that is 90% of what I do uh, but I, I but also the thing I'll say about me laugh, I don't fake laugh as a I'm having a good time. Yeah, I'm I, enjoying myself. Yeah. Laughter comes from, you know, the enjoyment it's of something. It's if the laugh is nervous because you're not confident in the bit that you said. You fucking said it. You're nervous laughed. Whatever, move on. Yeah, I, yeah. it's such an odd thing that, like, look, looking back. It's, but, uh, yeah, stand up. Because uh, I've been trying to work on act outs and things like that now. Mm. I write a lot, but I go, I'm maybe not as good a performer as I thought I was when I've watched back. And I've gone, 
oh, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite good at performing a, a bit. So I've been trying to work on that, and it's, it's fucking excruciating. Is it an important string to your bow as a stand-up? Because I do like the tiniest of act outs. I never stay in a bit for too long. Mm. Like I'll never, I'll never stay in an act out for ages. Like this is one bit where like um, my dad at work on a telephone call to the hospital or whatever, right? And I'll stay. That's probably the longest I'll stay in of a bit, and that's like forty seconds or something as I'm having this conversation. I don't tend to put act outs in that much, but then I'll watch Daniel, and he'll be in act outs forever. Like he'll be in actouts for fucking ages because that's like his skill. Like he's he's playing to his abilities. Yeah, he's um I I, I was gonna say with Daniel, I wonder what like the I wonder where he is in his career, what he looks at as the next step. Because it's interesting talking to him at the moment about how how are you at that level? And then I I, I thought this with Bill Burr's last special, mm-hmm. where Bill Burr's last special was amazing. I was like, ah, oh, I wish the general public knew how hard it is to be at his level and still put out a good special. Yeah, I... That's really difficult to not go backwards. Mm-hmm. There's comics you hear about or you go and you see comics who are huge live and you go, oh, fuck, you're, you're a bit off the mark. You've not been in the clubs. You've yeah. not... Uh, you've yeah, not hit you've, that. Been, you've been playing your own crowd for too long, so they're, they're getting a bit unctuous and they're kind and they're, they're laughing because it's you rather than because it's funny, and then you can you can slip that way, can't you? Yeah, or yeah. you've or you've been in a film where you've been writing a script, uh-huh. and then suddenly these tour dates got put in. You had three months. You put a tour together. Yeah, you get out there. Yeah, you're, dri- you're financially driven rather than, rather than creatively. Yeah, I think I think Danny's managed to avoid all that. Like his, his new show at the minute, like he's fucking smashing it out there again, and it's uh, it, it's it's got to be a worry that when you're at that level of like, how do I stay in the fucking red lane for this long? Like, how how, how do I make sure the next one does? And what we've done with this one is we're fucking riding it for a while. Yeah. yeah. i point that towards the shallow. Mm. Uh, he's uh, because he's got the, the kid now, and he doesn't want to be on tour for long periods away. So anytime we do go away for long periods, the kid's got to come. And if he's if the kid's not coming, he wants to be coming back. We've spread the tour out over like fucking two and a half, maybe he's even three years. So he gets to just sit in that pocket for a little while longer now before <laughs> before the pressure comes on to do it again. But that also comes with the luxury of having a weird audience that are going to wait that long to see you. Yeah, but I think I think that's the thing when you're at that level is you don't force. I think this with things like Edinburgh. It's insane that you're asking comics who have gone seven or eight years mm. to do an hour and then the next year come back with an hour that's as good. That's an insane yeah. p- premise. I pulled out the fringe this year. Have I told you yet? Yeah, yeah. You did, did, go, did, what, what's your reason? Um, so I'm best man three times. Right. So every time I sit down to write... I'm writing speeches. Yeah. <laughs> right, so I've, got, I've got like a, a about half. Uh, oh, the Hannah Gadsby model of comedy. I've got, I've got about half an hour of fucking roasting me mates to fucking day before I can write a single joke. That would be like really super specific to people's lives that I just couldn't take onto the stage at uh, the fringe. Uh, I was getting pressured for a title. It's January and I'm getting like, if you want to be on early sale where you'll get like a bunch of press before everybody else is even in the running for it, uh, you want to get it on sale now. And I'm thinking of like show titles and I'm thinking of what my post I can be, but I haven't wrote any of the jokes yet. Now, my two best shows, I'd say, one is Punch Drunk, which is available on my website. It's a great show, watch yeah. it. It's available for free on my website. You can go and watch it. That was about um, the comedians boxing, the fundraising that were done for Kian, the 100 Heroes, the building the comedy club with my brother. Um... Punch Drunk, it's the name of the comedy club. It revolves around boxing, the finale of the show. And uh, I named the show and I had the fucking blurb and everything, right? And then that show was a package, right? If I had just like went ahead and titled that show, That's You or something generic, right? 
then that would have been shit. Like, it wouldn't have worked. It would have just felt wrong. And then Mischief, right, is the one I've done where I talk about me upbringing in the 80s and the 90s, which is a show I'm touring at the minute. You can come and see us on tour. Um, that one, I fucking knew it was going to be about growing up as a little scally on a council estate. So I fucking graffiti in a brick wall with a show mm. title and fucking call it Mischief, right? It's mm. Perfect. Some shows I've done, I've done one show that I call it Shameless, and I was dry humping a fucking disco ball on my poster, and it was about the bull run. Can we can we get that picture off? <laughs> See if Mate, be shameless, it'll come up on there. <laughs> Man, it's fucking right. So basically, when I took this photo, I done a photo shoot. Uh, I just up on that. I just turned professional, right? Mm. I'm doing a photo shoot, and I'm in the studio, and I've getting some photos in, just regular ones that you'd get for headshots and shit. And then uh, because we're <laughs> getting... <laughs> can we have a RuPaul Drag Race one? <laughs> no, it was there's a disco ball in the corner, and Marty Lynn, who was taking the photographs, uh, went because these are getting sent to Molly, and I let's do a joke one where you're fucking humping this disco ball when now it's on, right? Oh. I didn't take the photos part of a photo shoot. Oh, that's very there funny. There, there, there it is. Right, I didn't take that photo as part of like this is what I want for my show post. It's a good, it's a good photo. And uh, I just took that as like a fucking Easter egg for it would be, like it would be funny for my agent to be flicking through, flicking through, flicking through, and then just spit a drink out. Yeah, right. And that was just like just a red heron. And um, and she fucking pushed and pushed and pushed for us to have that. And I, I called the show shameless because I thought I thought that was going to be the show where I thought we'd grown up on the council estate and fucking Shameless was kind of relevant at the time or like past relevant a little bit and uh, and I don't know about the bull run it had fuck out of the day with it like, <laughs> if I'd packaged that show if that show was in the right box it would have been a good show yeah. I would have been happy to record it and all that and I suppose I could have fucking I don't know but uh, so I was getting that pressure this year and I, based on my past experience based on my best shows which I'd like to compete with mm. Uh, my best shows were half written before I wrote the title and and decided to start selling tickets. This one I haven't got fucking shit. I've got a little bit that I tried out over Christmas, and uh, and I I just I, I was I was feeling the pressure. I was like I'm going to get on all of these stag do's and be at all of these weddings before August, and the whole time I'm going to be going. You've got to write a fringe show. You've got to write a fringe show, and I'm not going to enjoy these social occasions that I've committed myself to. So I was just saying, fuck it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pull it and and figure it. Out. Yeah, I've I've got a bit of that. Like I've been working hard. Well, so I'll be Wednesday. I'll be at Leicester. Uh, February 23rd Vault Festival March 9th I'll be at The Pleasance and the tickets are selling well and stuff and I've been working hard on it getting it ready but I've also got that thing because I'm on the Stag Deuce and I've mm. got another season of Unite to help write yeah. with Barry and then I've also got Altitude I've got these things where I go alright that's fun and all but you can't when you've got to work, you've got to work so now. Get, get yourself ahead. Of, get yourself ahead of schedule. Yeah, I am. I'm ahead it. already. That's that was my initial plan. Was trying to be ahead of schedule. When I realised I had to submit some shit, I was like, I'm not ahead of schedule. This isn't going to work. But the if if you were to do it, like I managed to do it in 2018. Um, I had my stag do, and then the wedding either side of the uh, mm. fringe, and all I was thinking was like. By the time you get in your stag do, have something you can preview already. Because I come back the day I landed from your own stag do, I was updating a preview. Yeah, I remember. And fucking, I had I had the material, and I fucking, but it was just the head game of it was fucked because I, I was on a come down from heaps of drugs, so I'm just fucking lying there backstage like what am I doing? Um, I drew on that experience. I didn't want to be doing that again. Yeah, I didn't want to be coming back off a stag do, jumping up on a preview. Yeah, I I want to get to the point sort of by like June I know the show mm. and then it's just looking at the details and also reworking bits sort of like in jiu-jitsu sometimes 
you'll be shown. I could show you a basic armbar, right? Uh, in the laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Man, imagine, imagine if my show was just me doing different techniques. <laughs> and but then I was training with someone like Owen, who we've had on the podcast, who's like basically the best in Europe, one of the best in the world. Class. He he'll show you an armbar. It it's not like oh, and you get to S mount and you just lie back. It's this is a very detailed, and I think all right. Look at in comparison of that someone who's one of the best in the world at what they do. Do you want to be one of the best in the world at what you do? Find different entries, find different ways uh, to improve those little bits. So maybe it is an act out. Maybe it is. Oh, I, I always say this at the end, but they might actually. Or you know when you've got a bit and it just kind of gets a laugh, uh, and you go, "No, sit down there for an hour and try think of a fucking punchline." It's, it's the nuances as well. Like uh, sometimes you can focus on what the punchline's going to be, what's going to pop, and then you'll just put in a turn of phrase on the way to the punchline, and that gets you such a big laugh that the punchline's just an amplifier by the end of it. Yeah, and uh, and the punchline didn't necessarily have to be the fucking big finisher that you expect it to be, but like you you managed to make it pop on the way, and it's just finding them nuances which. I I guess the guy doing the armbar is like telling you like don't grab here grab yeah, here yeah but like fucking they're gonna do this next or something like this i'm struggling to draw parallels Look, but but like, yeah right. them them nuances like they're the bits that you've got to focus on i'm just going in thinking set up punchline that's the formula set up punchline just going now there's actually more to that if you look closely yeah the cordon of the joke there's way more than just fucking set up punchline yeah because you see where you are in like stand up at the moment like what, what? What's the thing that you reckon you're like learning the most? Like, because you, you learn so much so early on. I, I I found it very overwhelming. I think it's uh, I think an important thing that a lot of comics overlook is connecting with the crowd. So a lot of people will work on their five, work on their five, but they don't. If you're not emceeing much, then they struggle to find their voice and how to connect with the crowd. I think that's an important skill, and that's something that I'm really trying to get better at by doing uh, like that's, that's gigs. Yeah, it, it really sure. helps Lucas when you've got a wealth of material when you've written a couple of shows yeah. you can read a room and you can tailor a set to fit that room yeah, perfectly yeah, yeah, yeah. with still being true to yourself you just know they're probably not going to like the one where you're mopping up spunk off the floor with a sock so you <laughs> do the thing about the, when you were stuck in traffic with a da yeah, yeah, right? yeah. but it's still your it's still your learned experiences and your stories but like you'll know exactly which ones to, to which, serve which is going to hit the uh -huh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that, that stuff you notice about like reading the room and, uh, and working with the crowd that comes a lot easier with doing fringe shows to develop your material like so you've got on mass and exactly what you said about MCing so that you can connect with them and talk to them yeah I, I did that uh, last night I was in this gig it was at a PTA fundraiser the wonderful Kev McCarthy booked me for it and I turned up and I was like Kev why the fuck have you booked me for this and I, he's like oh could I fucking like you mate you'll be alright and uh I go. I can't go for don't know. Ken McCarthy is just. A, he's he was there when the Tunnel Club back in the. He's been. He's seen all of it. Aye. He's seen everything in comedy. Yeah, I, I think I've got. I've gigged with Kev a few times back in the. He used to do the Glees. Yeah. I don't know if he still does, but uh, I. I think he was emceeing the uh, the Glees. Yeah, he's just one of the wonderful people in comedy. One of those people who wants you to do well. Yeah. And I went on and I. I did, I think, like 17 minutes of crowd work mm -hmm. of just talking about the gig. Being me, talking about how shit it was, but making them laugh. Mm -hmm. But in a way, going like, this is ridiculous. What are you doing? Like, But like being in on it and making them laugh because I mentioned at one point, because I saw a girl, me and Darcy had gone for dinner before the gig. We saw a girl K-hole in the high street and I mentioned it and it got nothing. And I was like do not do you cannot do your drug material you uh, cannot do any like that's not going to work here so i went to go into material about just croydon and people you know in general and it got this cheer and i was like this woman oh you from croydon and she went uh yeah fulton heath i was like fuck off i'm from fulton heath and she was like oh hyfe road now hyfe road you've been, you know that walk from mine to the train station uh -huh. and you walk 
down my road and then turn down, you go down a little you alleyway. You tell everybody where you live. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Getting yeah, yeah, I'm not giving my address. If you go down, Hyfe Road is... is I'm like, just giving them exact directions yeah. on a landmark. <laughs> 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 um, and then uh, they, they, if you go down there, yeah, anyway, she, she basically lives on the back of my road. Uh, but then she was like, oh, I'm married well. And I was like, oh, and she, I detected a bit of an accent, but I didn't want to do where you're really from. But I, she then went, oh, I'm, I'm Polish. And... It, right, people. Is that, is that what Marion Well from Poland is moving to Fort Hill? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was there. Going, I went. Would you make a Fort Hill? She was like, I loved it. I went. We need to help Poland. Oh, <laughs> I right. was like, whatever's going on in Poland, they need. If they're coming it, to Fort Hill, thinking it's great. It's, it's class when you stumble on them. Like, was a lad that fucking. I was a punch drunk, and it's it's hard for me. I'm saying yeah. punch drunk because I mostly know everybody in the yeah, audience. Yeah. Not like, oh, like, what do you do? What's your name? And I like you, like you're Steve. You're a plumber. I know that already. I've met you. I went to school with a cunt. Yeah. It's like hard. I got chatting to this lad, right? And he, he was unemployed. He's like, how long have you been unemployed? Three years. It's like, how come you got made redundant? He was like, where'd you work? It was like, BT. I was like, during the fucking when everybody needed Zoom and everyone needed internet <laughs> connections. The fucking place is going fucking haywire. People are running around. There's too much workload because everyone's fucking needing internet, like fast connections in the house. And they're just carly into the office again. We're, we're just, uh, we're just having, we need we need less staff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stuck on for ages. But when something just fucking lands for you like that, because you don't know what you're getting into yeah. now when you get into the crowd. You never know what you're going to fucking. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not as good as crowd work as someone like you. And uh, I'm, it's. I don't see that. I don't no. see that. I'm high up with that. No, you, you, I, you were when I when I was coming up. There was people I used to watch. It was Stephen Grant, Mark Alva. Do you know what Nightingale and Jason Cook? But I put them in a different Danny, kind. Danny McLaughlin. Danny McLaughlin. But I put Nightingale. And yeah, yeah. These guys in a different. In Nightingale. I really like that they do this. It's uh, good. But they're gonna try and make it difficult for you going on a little bit. Like they're gonna. They're gonna try it necessarily. But they're, like, they're it's, it's up to you to step up. But like it's up to you to step up. If the comp is the fucking the man, right, or the woman, yeah. probably the man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying, right? They. Uh, they are the like the crowd don't want to see them go. The crowd excited to have them back. That's that's your problem to deal with. That's, yeah. that's not a that you haven't didn't take it personally. Didn't be like oh why did you do that for? No, step I agree. The fuck up. I, I step up and if you didn't dig as well as them, that's on you. I had that uh, Nightingale was uh, Lee's hi-fi one time was absolutely roofing it, and I think I was like twenty years old. I just I I wasn't a closing comedian yet, mm -hmm. but I was closing, and Jen Brister had been on first as well. And I went on and I did well because it was a young crowd. But I remember getting that midnight bus back from Leeds, all that eight hour coach to London. And the whole time I was like, man, Nightingale was really good. Isn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like wow, he's really good. Uh, and they're, they're God tier, they're not like the fucking class. Laura Lex. Laura Lex, incredible. yeah. Sally Ann Hayward as well. Yeah, they get pigeonholed a little bit and it's like, uh, yeah, bookings start becoming that. Like I, I started, I got that a little bit with the glee where I was like, I much prefer doing spots. Mm. Like, I much prefer doing me written set and fucking and, and wheeling that out. Uh, but I had a couple of good fucking gigs emceeing at the glee and now I'm pigeonholed and the fucking only book is to MC. And, uh, and that, like, if, if that's what they want to do, then fucking perfect. But if that's not what you want to do, it can sometimes be a little bit like, yeah, yeah, you're boxed off. How, how do you feel now about, uh, that's interesting what you were just saying uh, earlier, Lucas, because, uh, uh, about respecting the audience because I think that's the one thing that we don't do enough in comedy especially now in the social media era that I don't do I don't put up crowd work clips anymore because I don't want to I'm not a crowd work person I'll ch chat to the crowd if need be like last night uh, I, there's this I just want to say there was this thing in my gym that I hear a lot of the Polish fighters say to each other called Korva 
They always go Korva. So when she went, oh, I'm from Poland, I was like, oh, Korva. And she just looked so offended. I was like, yeah, what, what does it mean? And she was like, it means bitch. So I'd been in the gym hearing like the Polish lads to each other, Korva, Korva. Uh, uh, you they, little bitch. Yeah, you bitch. And like they've said it to me and I'm like, oh, this means... Oh, let's, let's duel. And like, it's like, a, it's like the version of, you know, cup and cup and like Aye. Muay Thai or something Aye, or yeah. us in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I thought it was a Polish version of that. They're cunting me off. Aye. And I've gone on stage and gone to this Polish lady, uh, bitch. Uh, you, you, thought saying, you thought you were saying good luck. Yeah, but in, in, in Eastern Europe, calling like someone bitch is is huge. It's, uh, it's such a huge disrespect thing. So she was. So I then just died laughing on stage. Like I swear I didn't know that's what it meant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you. But because you like five or six times you've done it to people since. Yeah. You've got no excuse for that. <laughs> but there's um. But there's this thing now where I see like comics. They'll be doing a ten spot at the Glee. They could get a twenty. Could lead to a lot of paid work mm -hmm. and I see them bring out their stand to put their phone in to try create some chaos you know that created chaos uh, and I'm not yeah. talking about like uh, Vittorio is like the uh, his is his are great I love his clips I, but I think people see that work for him and uh, they then try to emulate that it that happened quite a bit because I all the time, man. And you see people be like, what do you do? I uh, work in recruiting. Whoa, what the fuck? We got someone who you recruiting for? ISIS? No, I, it's like a, just an accountant. It's a software uh, yeah, company. Uh, like they're that, trying to create something yeah, that's not there. Uh, they're trying to just uh, say, fucking it worked for, for, for Paul Smith. It's going to work for me. But they're doing it on the spot. Not like a resident MC in their fucking home gig. No, and uh, not as good as Paul Smith. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> the, key, the key factor yeah. in all of that. Um, yeah, because I, I see them... Like, I would see the comedians setting up their, uh, their phone, but, like, so I guess if you now that they're putting it online, if they've got their phone in portrait, you know they're watching their cell back if they've got a landscape. Oh, well, well, I used to put it portrait, but then if you if you learn how to edit, you can uh, change it to portrait in the editing, I guess. Like, you could uh, do that. And, by the way, I used to do that crowd work shit that we're just talking uh, about. I was guilty of that for about six months as well. Like, it, I wasn't. It's fucked up one of my favourite jokes today, the fact that everyone puts clips online because I used to, when people were recording that set just to watch it back, I would always get porn on my phone and just float it up. Just like, you know, the bit that was the, like, I, yeah. no, I wouldn't fuck up the bit that they're working mm. on. I said, but yeah. that's just like a little bit like a transitional yeah. bit or whatever. Like, I'll just fucking. Oh, that's, what, that's a war crime now. <laughs> but a dude, but no, that would fuck up that clip. Uh, the clip's over. So, like, I, I'm always hesitant to date now. I still date. <laughs> <laughs> I find, I, yeah, I don't, I quite like the idea of with clips, I, I, I sort of go play at your strength, you're, you're good at writing, you're good at, you've got something to say, go do that, mm -hmm. I'm not good at, whereas I think you're a master of just being so likeable on stage that when you chat to someone, and you're genuinely interested mm -hmm. in what they do, genuinely oh, yeah. interested in what they've got to say. Absolute difference between me and Daniel, I mean, I, yeah, I, I couldn't give a fuck what you think, unless it's the opposite of what I, unless we're having a conversation. I tried to MC one night going, look, I can't do small talk. Mm -hmm. What do you not make of the Taliban taking over? And then that just failed because of the club I did it at uh, wasn't the place really? to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're trying to ask deeper conversations to people who are just going to be rabbit in the headlights if you ask them anything. Some people yeah. struggle when you ask them their name. Yeah. In fact, it's a hack bit again, the questions will get harder. So if you ask them a hard question, they're going to be absolute fucking like shocked by the situation you you've had a bit that's come so like there's like uh, tropes and i've used them as uh, mc before uh it, you know i've probably said something something like that yeah. when i'm MC. You, you don't you go up there you don't you find yourself doing it um 
you know, famous one is someone's talking quite loudly. Where do you learn to whisper? Under a helicopter? Yeah, yeah like that. the stock. You've had a bit that I've seen. Like, you, cause that, that, that would have been someone's joke once. You, where do you learn to whisper? Under a yeah, helicopter? Uh, yeah, they all, they, all, a, they all had an inception. That was, that's a fantastic line. When the first person who said that, yeah. that's brilliant. You wouldn't go into a brothel and have a wank. That's yeah, a, I don't come to your jobs and knock cocks out your mouth. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That sort of fucking lane. You that's ha- like somebody come up with it once and then it becomes stock. Yeah, you, you've you had one. I've seen you have like the line uh, and then watched other people. Is it the one Tom Horton did at my gig? <laughs> 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 yeah. It was the one where somebody started clapping, but the audience didn't. And I was like, oh, look at that. You tried to start a round of applause, but didn't quite have the leadership skills. Yeah. And then that, then that gets, sometimes gets a round of applause and you go, see, you can do it. And you like, it, it, it brings them in and then you can move on from there. It's like, a, you're not wheeling that out at every gig, but it's there if you need it. Mm. Like a utility bit. But like, I soon accepted that. Like, that's not mine anymore. Really? That's so, stock I, I've heard people yeah. in Australia were doing it. Oh, really? Like, uh, I heard Australian comics were using that. that yeah. And you sort of go, what a cool thing to have done, but also at the same time, you wish you had the credit. It must be like someone who makes yeah, a meme. I think I think uh, enough people know for us to not feel like I'm being fucking Billy Bullshitter. Right, if I, yeah. If I go, oh, I, I rule that one. Like, I, uh, yeah, like, it's not like I went to school, I was in the same class as the Cray Twins. Yeah, there, there enough I, people have seen yeah. it, yeah. Um, so uh, Mick Ferry told us it was going to go. He'd seen us do it a couple of times. He was like, you're going to lose that, you know. Like really? that. He, he predicted that, that it was going to happen and then um, there's a couple of acts up in Scotland like Liam Whiffnell uh, done it and then apologised to us afterwards because someone told them it was me and then Tom did it at me gig and everyone took the piss out of him for data yeah. and then it catches on and a few people outside of me circle at data but it's like it's one of those things where you're in a situation something happens and you're, you're on stage you're trying to do your best and you know the exact fucking thing to say to make the situation pop yeah. and they used it and it was like uh, you know what Like I, I, I'm not losing out I'm not Mike play career didn't slip <laughs> because I lost that but don't you wish every time someone used it that they had to give you like a quid oh it'd be nice to get, <laughs> nice to get royalties <laughs> you just, if, if you got into the stock market and like, if you got into the that, that was a good clever put I thought wouldn't I mean that's really bad <laughs> uh, if, if you could get if you could write something for the stock that would end up in the world you'd probably see a lot more people writing stock yeah people would write for them situations are we good for time Lucas or do we yeah we can run over a little bit oh can we oh wicked yeah yeah, yeah, because uh, that I, I always think about those things in stand up. You know, it's a bit stand up heavy podcast, so it's been fun to chat about with another. Usually, it's just me and Mike and I having to talk about something the police have got up to this week. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's good as well if you've got a regular podcast host. You've mostly said everything that you've got to say to each other. <laughs> We're still, it's amazing that after we've began since 2016, twice a week mostly with a few sabbaticals. It's fucking remarkable that we're still coming up with shit at this point. Like, we're like, oh, gotta run dry. But I, I guess that's what, with we're touring, mm. shit's happening on a daily basis mostly. Yeah, Mike can come in on Monday and tell us all about what a lovely day he's had with his mum, I guess. Uh, yeah, he, it's, it is, um, it's funny doing podcasting where you do it with your best mate and you go like, uh, oh, this is going to be just hanging out with my mate all the time and then all that admin and everything comes in and you're like, I fucking hate this cunt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> me, me and Danny can like three days on tour without speaking to each other once in just the airport with my headphones on and all that like fucking backstage just watching my own shit on my iPad and then we'll go and record and just start blathering away to each other like we're catching up for the first time in three days. But do, do you find that on tour because I'd find this when I'd go like away with a few days for Jamal, with Jamali or something yeah. we'd need an enemy 
would uh, need someone to do something like a ticket inspector, be a bit rude on a train or someone uh, at a coffee shop be an arsehole and then we'll take our headphones off a bit. Like, what the fuck was that about? Uh, <laughs> Jamali, said every- Jamali's the funniest person to travel with. <laughs> I've done, I done, done a um, surfing festival in, uh, in Lagos in Portugal, not Africa. Is there a, is there a Lagos, Lagos. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in, in Portugal. And there was just this lad, it was me, uh, Jamali and my hog, and this lad who was on the holiday on the festival on his own tried to like just be part of us. <laughs> and he kept like, what we're doing next and all that. And we're like, oh, we're, we're going to just head back to the villa and just get sorted. Maybe he's having a nap and all that, but we'll maybe see if yeah. you're at the bar later on and all that. Right? He walks away and he goes to the bar. And then Jamali's just like, what's all this weed? <laughs> <laughs> Pluralize that shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's the funniest guy, man. When he gets when someone winds him up, uh, <laughs> it was when uh, when hog bought weed off someone on the street as well. He had this like block. He was like, "Oh, we're not here for very long. Like, we're gonna get for f- like forty euros or whatever." He got the block and he, he bit it and spat it in his hand and gave it to my hog with the money. And then then Jamali's just like, "You're just gonna smoke that gypsy teeth weed." <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're smoking gypsy teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the, there's, yeah, I love those things. It's that, like, that is the best part is traveling around with your mates. When uh, when you end up in places like when we were in New York and you're doing stand up, yeah. there's the reason to be there is your career. And you're just, I remember just having like drinks with you and Natalie at the top of like the One World Trade Center. And then we just left to do shows. And it's this bizarre. Uh, this bizarre experience where you've just gone like part way around the world with someone to go to go be an arsehole in front uh, of yeah, people. Yeah, just on past us by, just yeah. people watch out loud. Uh, it's such an incredible, it's such a cool thing. And and you, th- those moments, like, I was saying this, we talked about this earlier, I have this with uh, the really cool moments uh, do outweigh the bad moments, but fuck me, the bad moments are bad. Oh, when uh, oh, when you're doing that bus from Leeds after you, Dan Nightingale has just shown you really how to do comedy. Uh, uh, it, see, so, some of the bad bits is like, I, I, like bombed on a Christmas gig in Nottingham, right? And I've got to drive home. And I got in to get a meal deal in the fucking Tesco, that sort of, right? And I fucking got in and I'm selecting my sandwich and I felt like a loser. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's that fucking guy who bombed a gig and I eat a sandwich. Oh. You're going to choose which sandwich you like. You want the ham one or the tuna one? And you're just there trying to pick a sandwich, feeling worthless as fuck. Oh. And you're just like, oh, I might as well not eat. <laughs> oh, it's, that- them, it's them low moments that fucking suck. But you know what I say? Fucking leave the hoosie gun and lose your wallet. Yeah, exactly. Right, you're fucking. Do you remember the last time you lost your wallet? Uh, when I fucking left it on a flight and, and we hauled bag of valuables in Phoenix. No, oh, I didn't know you'd done that. I, I meant I when we edible and fucking just went. I don't need my belongings. <laughs> I am just free oh, now. I meant, I meant when we both did MDMA and played Knockdown Ginger in Nottingham. We played fucking. We're hacking back. Would we uh, get cigarettes from the garage? Which twenty four hour garage was like forty five minute walk away. So I think it was pilgrimage. A, it was twenty minute walk, and then I took us back in completely the wrong direction. And I was like, I know what will get me back fast. And just started knocking on doors. <laughs> but then you're wallet yeah. fell out on the person's door so they made about 150 quid just and also had your name a, and address of the bag of MD what a nice person uh, to... <laughs> <laughs> middle of the night up the door oh what's this you actually funny yes woo thank you Kai Humphreys I remember one time I was at festival and we'd been out the night before, like we'd partied. 
And the next day, I was talking to a couple of boys from the noise next door. And they, they, they're quite, you know, tame lads. They're, they're lovely people, but it, it's not... Oh, they want to go back and play a board game if you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're just fucking great. Yeah, it was... Uh, you know, just on a different frequency at that time in your life. Yeah, and uh, and uh, we were walking back. And I was telling them, like, what we'd been up to the night before. I was like, yeah, man, it's great. You know, you're, you're 20 years old, you and Kai. And he went... No, wait, Kai's 32. Yeah, I've got no excuse, really. I've got, got no excuse. I don't lie about my age, like, but I'm starting to look like one of those guys. I didn't, that lies about my age. Fucking hope of Femi Martins over here. Have you ever thought about having a stage age? Nah, nah. Right. Nah, nah. I try and grow up as gracefully as I can. Yeah. That's how I am at 40. I do question that, like, if, the, if I start, like, live the way I'm living and I start approaching 50 and I don't have kids, like, like... Is that just a loser, <laughs> or is it a winner? No, I don't know. I think I think you got those things like in society where there are the pressures to have kids, there are the pressures to do this, there's the pressures to do that. But I would say in your case, as much as you have every story about going out and partying and that, I also know you as the guy who you know is going to the gym, leaves the gig, doesn't have a drink, goes home, gets his macros in, handle me shit. Yeah, I fucking like uh, Lass has just opened a new business and I fucking helped her set that up and everything. Like I've got fucking shit going on, but like some people like that don't know as deeply, they'll just get that window into my world after a gig or. At a festival where they just see us as this pure sesh head, but like I keep myself in shape, my fucking finances are in check. Me, yeah. like I say, my wife's business is up and running, my marriage is healthy. Like I fucking got all my ducks in a row. Yeah, I party like a gun. <laughs> <laughs> but you also have that, you know. Last night you did the Palladium. You're doing there again tonight, and uh, you're still up to come in here at 10 a.m. Yeah. You know, there'd have been any, any number of people would have been able to go. Well, I just did the palladium so now I'm going to yeah. go out and get on all the fucking coke and stuff and do all of that yeah, shit I'm to come on this podcast and also mm. we're both putting this out aren't we yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. be doing by my co-host yeah no. <laughs> we're, we're, we're more successful co-host I wouldn't the, say mine's more the, successful the B-list philosopher <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say Mike's more successful he's got another three years of the industry putting him on <laughs> yeah. he exudes success more than you do oh god yeah no. feel, if, if I watch his too I'm like, I look at him and go, well, there's a successful <laughs> Do you know what it is with, uh, with Mike? Is like, he always, uh, whenever I'm with, like, say, we, like, we had to go do Leeds Fest, and the whole time, like, he's got his agent calling, like, hey, you, you're right, I do this. And he's like, ah, what's the fear? I don't really know if it uh, creatively is, uh, it's hitting the marks for what I want to do, and, and the money's good, but I shouldn't really just be doing things for the money. And then I'm there, and I ring my agent, and it just, it just goes to answer phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, yeah, mate, keep putting the clips out. <laughs> and it, didn't, it didn't ring out to answer phone. No, no, no. It no. cut <laughs> sharp to answer <laughs> yeah. That was a red button now. I got, I got a text. <laughs> Who's this? <laughs> How did you get this number? Oh, Mark's lad. <laughs> like, oh, Kai Humphreys, man. Thank you uh, for... We'd have been dying to come on your podcast. Oh, we'll get time. you back on when Michael's here as well. We'll get you and Danny on to come on and talk shit or whatever. Uh, and we're, we're, we do plan on, uh, for people who are watching my podcast, um, we do a thick cast where we get Elliot on and we'll ask him loads of questions that are moderately difficult so that he can just <laughs> pretend he knows the answer. <laughs> it's not the fact he doesn't know the answer, it's how much bullshit he's going to tell to make it look like he does know the answer, which makes it fun. And he's uh, going to set up a podcast, like a reverse thick cast, where he feels the questions to... You, I've you, got some you, plan. You pitch the questions and we field them. Yeah, I no, realised I've been saying that wrong for so many years. If you field the question, you're the one receiving it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, liking. Oh, I guess that, like in look cricket. Look at how you look at that up. 
Oh no, because I, I got uh, Natalie tell us that. Oh, you know you're saying feeling wrong. I do trust her. It's fucking, it's just, so, this guy, no, no, <laughs> he barely, he, 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 just, he doesn't it's, look shit it's, under it's it. It's because he grabbed his phone. Like yeah, I thought, <laughs> I, I thought he was looking it up. I wasn't asking him to look it up. No, nah, I thought he, he was looking it up. That's why I asked. Yeah, after time while we're recording, he's in a WhatsApp group. Shit. If you say that someone feels a question, you mean that they answer it or deal with it. You there we are. Yeah. So, so me and Daniel are going to feel the questions from you that uh, will make us. Oh, I've got but, uh, cool How devastated would you be if we just give you really nice articulate responses? Nailed them. It was ruined the podcast. Six-minute podcast of just trivia. We're gonna set that up at some point yeah soon. definitely that feels like a thing where naturally it might be done during the fringe or something or next time you guys are down yeah oh, be a... even though i'm not doing the fringe i live in glasgow are you are you still going to pop over and do gigs fuck yeah yeah I, man yeah you could, you could do that thing i'm thinking when... of doing a partial run as a split show with gareth and colin yeah great that's a great idea and even yeah. if you do it midweek Mm-hmm. You then can still leave your weekends to yeah. go and do the fucking fun. Dude, there's so many gigs you can do. That would be my advice for newer comics at the moment as well coming through. Don't do the fringe. Go up to the fringe. Don't do the full run yet and pick up gigs. It, it, like, yeah. the, the fringe is an expensive hobby. Yeah, like, um, go, and, go and have, even if it's not the full month, go and, go and pop in. Like, I, yeah. I've done it. So I, I started in 2008, 2009. I was brought there for the um, the competitions. So I had to do my competition heats there. And while I was there, I jumped on a bunch of like free fringe stuff, like Jocks and Geordies. There's always something that'll like have you on. Go and like experience it. And then just go away from that with a thirst to come yeah. back and live there for a month. Like just give yourself like a little fucking taste of it and then work on your show for the year after. Yeah. I reckon. Uh, so Carvers, you'll be on tour? Yes, I'm going to be doing Glasgow on March the 19th and then the rest of them are when I get back from Australia. If, if there's anyone in Australia, I'm going to be doing solo shows there. Look at my website, kaihumphreys.com. Uh, in May, I'm going to be doing the Soho Theatre in London. Uh, I'm going to be doing Hot Water in Liverpool, the Frog and Bucket in Manchester. So there's uh, the Black Sheep in Leicester. There's a handful of gigs in May that you can come to. And I've also got a show online if you want to watch it now. And you'll be, and you've got, yeah, you've got a special on your website yeah, as well, which is really yeah. cool way of doing it. Um, sign up to the Patreon for just £3.50 a month. Get an extra bonus episode a week. Even if you're just a casual listener at the moment, we're giving you loads of bonus episodes, whether it be my mates dropping in or arguments I'm having with lesser comics. Lucas enjoyed it. But I've i thoroughly I'm burning I am manipulating Lucas as well. Uh, I have to yeah. burn a lot of bridges yeah. for Lucas at the minute just by him being on this podcast. And, uh, the, the beautiful nature of this new fucking way the industry's going is across pollination. If you watch Lost and Humphreys on the road now you watch Beat Egg Philosophers so catch on them for now and vice versa. Let's just fucking share our friends. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been Elliot Steele. I've been Kai Humphreys. Thank you very much.